John chapter 10, we're going to be reading the first 10 verses in, in uh, man, these stands, they just confound me. John chapter 10, we're going to be reading the first 10 verses in John chapter 10. Um, and we're, we're, we're in the third week of this sermon series where we're discovering and, and sort of diving into these, these I am statements that Jesus makes. And, and one of the things that Jesus is doing in, in communicating about himself is communicating that he is God. By saying I am, he is saying I am, I am God. But we, we've talked about this, one of the goals that, that John has for us as we, as we read through the book of John is to show us uh, that, that Jesus wants to have a relationship with, John wants us to have a relationship with Jesus in the same way, he wants to reciprocate that relationship, and in an intimate way that, that, uh, that, that John had, that John had that intimate, really intimate relationship with Jesus. He walked very closely with him. He was in the inner circle of the disciples. And so John, after a very long period of time in his life, he was relatively young when, when he walked with Jesus, after a relatively long period in his life, sat down to write this book in order that we might have intimate relationship with Jesus. And these statements that, G, or that Jesus is making in the Gospel of John, these statements are, are to demonstrate to us, one, that, that, uh, that he is God, but then it, the, we talked about last week the exclusivity and the universality of, of Jesus. That, that Jesus uh, is the exclusive way to God, that there is no other way to God other than through Jesus Christ. And then secondly, that that call is universal. That call is to every person. Even as we like watch that video, and we could talk about that for a long time. Even as we've watched that video this morning, that our identity is wrapped up in the sentness or the mission. So, so he said, "Missio Dei," right? That that God is a missional God. God has the God has the in his very of being, in his very at his very core, he is. Um, he is sending people. He is sending people out because he is a God um, who uh, desires uh, that call to be universal. That, that call to himself through Christ Jesus is a universal one. And so the primary means by which he has decided to, to make that call is through us as his people. We recognize then that another Latin term, the Imago Dei, that image of God, that we recognize that we bear God's image. We are created in God's image, and we are created for relationship with God, and we are created for relationship with, with each other. And so that is the outflow of being created in God's image. That understanding of who God is and then who we are in light of that, and then what he has for us in, in, in our day-to-day -day lives which is a sentence. So this morning when we come to this text and when we look at it, we're talking about Jesus. He says, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep or I am the door. And what he's saying and what he's talking about is this concept of set-apartness. Um, so that's, a, that's kind of a, a, a weird way of saying that, but, but I think it's the best for us. Like, we are set apart as a people. Um, we are not, when, when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we are set apart. There is something that happens that is dramatic, that is life-altering, that is identity-shifting. It's not something that happens in a vacuum and then we let it go. That's what we're talking about. That's why we're doing, that's why we want to do church in this community-type setting. We're sort of putting the cart before the horse when we talk about that. We're sort of putting the cart before the horse. But my, 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 my aim and my goal and, and what we desire to do 
in Buffalo City Church is to come to the understanding that this together, this expression of the, of the local church, what we do here is an outworking of who we are and who God is. So um, one thing that, that and, and I'm chasing this rabbit a little bit, but one thing that I want to really communicate to you is that we do theology. A lot of people say that, okay, so theology, big word, right? It means, it, all it means is the study of God. Like, we study God. So we sit down in God's word, and we, we read God's word, and we find out who God is. And then we realize who we are in light of who God is. And then we understand what God has for us. So theology is not a big scary thing, but it's something that we do every day. Every day, we, when, we, when we act, when we, when we live our lives, we are doing what our theology dictates. We are acting in a way that, that demonstrates what we think and what we believe about who God is. We don't, we don't come to this text and, and read it. We don't come here on Sunday morning and spend some time singing together and hearing me uh, preach God's word and, and then uh, participating in an ordinance. Or we don't do those things in a vacuum. Those things are, those things are uh, very pointed in their, uh, in their communication about who God is and who we are and how we ought to live. And that's not something that we do because we're, we, we're fearful. We're not fearful of judgment. We, we live as those who, who have moved out of darkness into light, out of fear into love. And, and we as a people that as we're working out, we no longer, we're not coming here as a duty or obligation in order that we might fulfill some kind of law. But we're doing this as those who have been freed in the person and work of Jesus Christ to do all that he commands us. Those commands, those are lovely to us. We are excited to do the things that God has commanded us because we have been transformed. We are excited to Go to God's word and understand who God is because we recognize that when we have a, a clear, concise understanding of who God is and who we're being transformed into, that we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ, then we as people, we work that out every single day of our lives. So when we come to a text like this this morning, when we come to a text where it says, uh, when, when John records Jesus saying, I am the door, um, we're looking at a very interesting statement, but we're also recognizing that, that we're doing something. We're, we're beginning to understand who God is. And then we're understanding, because of that understanding, we're understanding that, that God, who God is, that theology, that understanding, then has direct impact on our lives and what we do on a daily basis. So, okay, I'm not going to chase that anymore. So let's look at this text together. John chapter 10. Uh, verses uh, 1 through 10 is where we'll read this morning. This butts up right against our text for next week. Um, we will talk about Jesus as the Good Shepherd when he says, I am the Good Shepherd. Let's just read this text together um, and, and consider uh, what, what, what the word of the Lord is demonstrating to us through his servant, um, John. John chapter 10. 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door of the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So again, we're keying this morning on this, this idea where Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheep. And what we want to do is sort of put this, this passage in context. Um, because that's going to really help us understand what Jesus is talking about here. So things are really getting heated, heated up in, in John's gospel here. Um, we, we have three statements that Jesus makes that are very overtly. So when we come to these, these statements that we're looking at, when Jesus is saying, I am, he's making a proclamation that he is God. He's making that proclamation. But there are some, some even more overt statements where he's saying, I am God, that this is sort of, that, that sort of surround this text. And the religious leaders of the day, the Jews, they were getting really angry. Like they were getting the angry, angry to the point that they wanted to stone him. This is not buddy Jesus. This is not buddy Jesus. He is, he is intentionally going after the, 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 the false religion and the, the poor understanding of the law that, that these men have. And not, not so much to their discredit, but Jesus said, I came to, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And he, he showed up and he said, hey guys, you're looking at this, but you're thinking of it the wrong way. The law finds its fulfillment in me. And, and you're, you're considering the fact that, that, that the law in and of itself has the ability to save, but it doesn't. Paul tells us very clearly in the book of Romans that the law exists to point to our sin. The law exists to point to our sin, and then God is going to deal with that sin in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we look at this text this morning, and things are beginning to heat up, um, uh, let, let's just consider some of these things that are, are going on. So we're, we're dropping right in the middle of Jesus making some claims, these claims about his deity. And, and right after the passage we looked at in, in, in last, last week in John 8, uh, we looked at 12 through 20 in John 8 last week, um, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is kind of going back and forth with, with the Jews. Uh, and and uh, what, what's happening is they get to a point where they, they sort of they accuse him of having a demon. They're like, the things that you're saying, nobody's going to say that unless they have a demon. And she's like, okay, so that, that's, that's nonsense. But they sort of just keep twisting his words around and keep shifting what he's saying, this teaching, and just kind of like asking questions and probing in places. Um, and, and then when we get to verse 52 of John 8, the, the Jews said to him, Now, we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also, you're saying, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. So Jesus makes this claim, right, that whoever has, um, how does he phrase it? My word, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. And so they're saying, because you're saying that, that's ridiculousness, because these people died, and we know that, that that's not going to happen, because, and so therefore you must have a demon. And then, and then they make this statement. Uh, then they say, uh, "Are you, are you, are you not greater? Or are you greater than than, uh, than than Abraham who died? And the prophets died too. 
And then Jesus comes right after them. And in verse 56, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And they're just like, what is happening? Like, wait, wait a second, he's standing before me. And then they make the, they're saying, like, you're, you're not even 50 years old. Like, we're talking about thousands of years of history. You're not even 50. And then verse 58. This is, this is an incredible claim of Jesus' deity. Verse 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. So we have that I am, right? Uh, taking us back to the book of Exodus, where Moses sat before the burning bush. He said, I am has sent you. I am who I am. So, so that, that understanding, right? He's making that proclamation. And then look at how they respond. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So his time has not come to die. But they're, they're, they're actively picking up rocks. And this isn't like, oh, hey, we're going to talk. No, they're like, we're going we're gonna to kill this guy. This guy just blasphemed in our presence. We are going to kill him. Um, and then right before things continue to heat up, right before our passage today in John 9, 35 through, through uh, 38, just look right there. Jesus heard that they had put, put, uh, put him out. This is, the, this is the blind man that he healed um, in the previous passage. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one, who, uh, the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus, uh, or, so, so we have this, this proclamation, and we'll read that, the end of that. But we have this proclamation um, where, where, Lord, I believe, like, you have both seen him, and he is the one who, uh, one who is talking with you. This is the guy. This is the Son of Man. This is, this is God taking on flesh before us, doing things, making, uh, bringing about signs, uh, demonstrating the authority that's given to him and God, from God the Father. Not just because he is sent, but because he is God. And then uh, right after our passage this morning in John 10, 22 through uh, 30, um, we see again the Jews are very frustrated with what, what God is, is, or what Jesus is saying about his claim to be God. And, and they're, again, they're trying to kill him. In verse 31, you see the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus responds to them, I show you many good works from the Father, of which of them are you stoning me? For good work, the Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. So the Jews have this really good understanding now. They're like, this guy's claiming to be God, and Jesus is not denying that he's God. He's saying, I know I am God. I am God incarnate, and I am here, and I am doing the things that the Father has, has sent me to do. And so stuff is really going down, and Jesus is making some really big claims in their eyes. Like, um... I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine just like this religious establishment that has existed for thousands of years, and, and a guy shows up, and he says, I'm God. Like, the law finds its fulfillment in me. It's like, we've been practicing the law for a long time. And I know that there are a couple of different camps, there are a couple of different things going on, that there, there's like a conservative branch, and a liberal branch, and those stuff, but nobody is sitting here saying that I am God, and I fulfill all of this. And so it's almost understandable, their, their response. 
And the Jews, they're getting really angry. And they, they, they clearly, at this point in John's Gospel, he's communicating to us that the religious leaders of the day want Jesus dead. And our passage um, it, today isn't helping the religious leaders' uh, uh, perception because when he makes this claim that I am the door, that there is no way other, there is no other way directly to God the Father. There is no other way to God except through me. There is no other way that the people of God are set apart. Um, that that notion is going to continue to to anger them. So uh, Jesus is going after a couple of popular notions. We're going to talk about these because I think they're so helpful for us in understanding uh, who we are and some of the very things that we deal with on a daily basis. Um, um, these, these popular notions that the Jews brought about. And, and really even just like for us in Jamestown, North Dakota in, in 2016, like these same things are the same things that we struggle with on a daily basis. So we're going we're gonna to flesh these out. So this morning, the, the idea that sort of lies behind everything that we're going to talk about is this. Let me read this for us. Jesus' proclamation that he is the door indicates that he is God, and unlike the empty religion to which the thieves and robbers subscribe, the sole means through which God's people are set apart. Jesus' proclamation that he is the door indicates that he is God, and the sole means through which God's people are set apart. There is no other way to be set apart except through Jesus Christ. So this idea of set-apartness is what's going to, to drive us this morning. So, so let's, let's consider some things that are, are going on in this text. And the first thing that I want to do this morning is, is, uh, is see what, what is Jesus challenging when he is stating that he is the door of the sheep? What is he challenging? Why, why is this even a necessary statement? For Jesus to make. Um, up until this point, the statements that we've looked at um, challenge some popular notion, right? So we looked at the, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's challenging the notion that there's satisfaction that can be found in something other than him. He's challenging the, 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 that, we have to, that we have to chase satisfaction where, where we can only actually find it in who Jesus is. And then last week when we talked about Jesus being the light of the world, we challenged, Jesus is challenging that notion that, that the, the confusion that we feel um, can be addressed in something that other than him. That the, the, the darkness that is around us can only be addressed in something, uh, or that can, can only be addressed in Jesus and not in something else. Um, and so, uh, when we when we look at this text this morning, this is this is kind of where we're all all these statements are moving towards. There is a popular notion of how to be set apart, and Jesus is saying, "I'm the, I'm throwing that one aside, and it's finding its fulfillment in me." So uh, Jesus is challenging now this notion of set apartness, and what do I? Okay, so what do I mean by that? And we're going to dive. This is this all this morning is going to talk. We're going to be talking about set apartness. We're going to get a little bit deeper a little bit later. But what do I mean by this? It's just very simply this: what what or what does it mean, or how are God's people identified? How are God's people identified? Um, and, and then, uh, how is it determined that they're, in fact, God's people? And Jesus really gives us the answer. This is, this is the question that Jesus is, is uh, answering here. He says, in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. 
So this, this challenges the popular idea of how one enters into and identifies as one of God's people. Okay, so, so a couple of things this morning that, that would, have been, uh, would have been popular notions uh, that the Jews and, and the religious leaders would have geared people towards um, in order to demonstrate their set-apartness. And these have direct correlations with things that we believe have the ability to set us apart in, in, our, in our world, too. So we'll talk about those as well. So the, 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 first, uh, the first one um, they, is, is blood or earthly birthright, right? Simply being born into the Jewish nation for, for the religious leaders like already gave you a, a sense of set-apartness. But even when we were talking about being, uh, we were talking about the, the exclusive nature, that Jesus is the only way to God, um, and the universal nature of uh, that set-apartness, that, that it, the call goes out to everyone. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not for one person and not for another, it's for all people. When, when, we have that, when we have that understanding, we recognize that, that birthright or, or blood is, is simply not, not a way in which we are set apart. So consider what John writes even in, in his own book, and, and this is sort of a theme throughout the book of John, um, but even consider what he writes in John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The set-apartness doesn't come through a heritage. It doesn't come through a birthright. It doesn't come through blood. It comes through entering through the door um, of which Jesus is claiming to be. Probably no one here, I don't think anyone is Jewish, like has Jewish heritage. Um, probably not. We, we, we don't live in a world where there's a lot of Jewish heritage. Um, however, um, we, we still do this. We still sort of ascribe to this notion significantly. Because we live in, in a country um, where for a long time people tied up their national identity with Christianity. And they say, well, I'm American, so therefore I'm a Christian. And Jesus is saying, no, that is not true. It's like, you do not enter through the door of Americanness into set-apartness. You do not enter that door. I am the door. There is no way that you can enter into set-apartness, into the people of God, except through me. Um, and we, we also sort of do this sort of on like a, a micro level. Um, we, we say things like, well, I, I grew up in church. Like, we make it part of our heritage. Like, our parents took us or our grandparents took us to church. It's like, we went to youth group. It's like, well, I did this. It's like, when I was young. Or like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the roll at X church. Or I was baptized in such and such a church. And we, we sort of, we, be, we take those things that are outworkings of our set-apartness and make them this means by which we are set-apart. Which is wrong. That's, that's not the way that, that that's meant to happen. Jesus is saying on the door to dispel this understanding that some kind of heritage, some kind of bloodline, some kind of birthright will get us to, into or admittance to the people of God. So my, my question for you this morning is, is this. And, and you might be thinking when I said that, like, well, well that's not me. Like, I, I don't think that. Like, I don't believe that. Um, and so, so my question for you this morning is like, even as you come, even as you came here this morning, like what's your motivation behind that? Is your motivation 
to, to come here, to exist together in community, to exalt a risen Christ as an outwork of what you know God has done for you in Jesus? Or is, is when you come here this morning out of duty or obligation because of, because of something that your parents instilled in you, or because you feel like a nationalistic identity? The, the latter is not, the, the latter is exactly what Jesus is addressing here. And it's not a legitimate way to be part of the people of God. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. So that first thing, this, this birthright, this heritage notion, this is something that the religious leaders would have encouraged or, or would have seen as one of the primary ways through which people became set apart or uh, gained admittance into the people of God. The second thing that the religious leaders in Jesus' day uh, would have promoted as an entry point into the people of God would have been law-keeping. And this one hits, hits even closer to home for us. Law-keeping. They would say, in order to be part of the people of God, you must keep the law in its entirety. And we, we really like this. this. This is one that we just, our sinful flesh just gravitates toward law-keeping. And, and again, like Paul writes to the, 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 the Romans. Paul writes to the Romans. Like, the law exists not to save or to set apart. He, it, it, it exists to point to the sin that has broken that relationship with God. And there is something now that needs to happen, that needs to, to come about for us in order to, to now be set apart, to be brought back into fellowship with God the Father. Um, th this is something that we do constantly. We, we create like new laws. So, so you can go to the Old Testament, you can go to the first five books of the Old Testament um, called the Pentateuch, where, where the law is out, was laid out for um, God's people, for the Israelites. You could go there and you could say, okay, I'm going to keep this, 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 and have a checklist for yourself. Um, but, but even then, like, none of us are really doing that. What we're sort of doing is creating a whole new set of laws in our world. This is what we do. Like, we have, we have very specific ways that when we come to worship together that we should, we should look, that we should dress, that we should, the, the way that we should engage one another. We have social niceties. We have these things. And then, and then when someone doesn't keep that law, we very specifically say, we, we kind of go and we're like, man, that person really doesn't have a whole lot of like um, social understanding or like whatever it might be because of these new laws that we've set up. Because of these expectations and these standards that we give, that we impose upon people in our world. And that, that's, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. This is, this is not part of, 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 what, of what we intended. This is, or this is not part of what God intended in the law. We like to set these standards up and, and we, we make ourselves feeling, feel good by sort of making them low enough for us to keep or, or something that sort of like, the sort of thing that sort of like demonstrates who we are. Um, but that is impossible for someone else to, to keep. But this, like, like the bloodlines, like the heritage, this is a, this is a false story. And there, there, okay, so there's like this TV show on a while back. It's probably been about 10 years. But it was, it was like this re-edit of a Japanese t TV show. It was like a, um, it was like a game show, right? So, so there were a bunch of like really silly games, and then, and then like somebody got a hold of it, and I think you know what I'm talking about. So, so a bunch of silly games, and they dub over it, and it was, it was really, really bizarre. But there was one game where they set up like a bunch of walls, and then there were like three doors in each of the walls. 
And people would run at the doors like as hard as they could, and it was all like mud and water, and just, it was just meant to, to make people look silly. And one of the doors was, was open, it was just like a, a normal door, or even flimsy, so you could kind of like break through it. The other doors were like super reinforced, so if you ran into that door, you would bounce back and fall in the mud. And, and, and sort of, this is sort of the idea, this is sort of what is going on. In, 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 in this idea. So Jesus is saying there is, a, there is a proper door, there is a correct door to enter into set-apartness. There is a correct door to enter into the people of God. Um, but, but we continue to just run into these reinforced doors. We, we run into the door of law-keeping. We run into the door of, of, uh, of, um, of, of bloodlines of heritage. You just keep running into those. And we keep saying, okay, so I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. But we haven't actually entered anything. The game, uh, so it, it's just it's just like you run into that door, the, the, the heritage door, and, and, and you're a loser. You run into that door um, of law-keeping, and you're a loser. The only way to enter in uh, is through Jesus Christ. We're, we're doing the same thing. We, we look at these false doors, and we believe that they somehow set us apart, and they simply do not. Jesus is offering the solution to all of this here when he says, I am the door. He's offering a prop, the proper way to enter into set-apartness. The religious leaders were thieves and robbers because they were offering false doors to set-apartness. Um, one thing that I want to I flesh this idea of set-apartness out for us a little bit more. It's that idea that we, we hear the voice of Jesus and we, and we respond to it. Look, look in verse 5. A stranger they simply will not follow, speaking of the sheep, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. They don't know, the sheep do not know the strangers. The, the doors of the, the, the thieves and the robbers offer that the sheep do not know. They do not understand that. They do not, they do not recognize um, that law-keeping or heritage is the way by which we enter into the people of God. They recognize that Jesus is the, the only way. And then it's the idea that you enter through the correct door. Um, we, 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 in our flesh, we might be drawn to that heritage door. We might be drawn to that door of law-keeping. But we recognize that, that we, um, we know that, that the, the pull towards that the pull towards that is coming from people or from the thieves and robbers, from that understanding, that internal processing that, that, that takes us to a place um, where we are not ultimately set apart. So, and then in verse 9, sort of here we have the implication, um, or, or after verse 9, I'm sorry, we have the implication of what, what's going on. When Jesus says, I am the door, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Is is that where, we're, this, is, this is it, this is, is that we're part of God's people if we enter through this, this door? And what is that, what does that look like? It looks like this, it looks like the local expression of the church. It looks like that, and not that everyone here this morning, like my prayer is that everyone here has entered through the door. But, but like the local expression, us coming together, being, recognizing that we are set apart, we are a people. Like in meeting together regularly as those who have that understanding. That's what this is about. That's, what, that's what's going on. So that's how we, we know. That's how we identify. And we live life in community together in order that we might know that we together uh, can or have entered through the door. Now that's why we say that 
the church isn't a building or a set of programs or a time of week. We have a clear understanding. The, what, what sets us apart is entering through that door when we're giving a common identity, when, we're, when we have a common experience, when we're on a common mission. That's what it means when we, we enter through the door. So just, just very briefly, let, let, I just want to dive a little deeper into this set-apartness idea. Um, set-apartness is, is, is oftentimes part of the definition of holiness. Personal holiness is something that we haven't talked about this a lot, but, but this idea of personal holiness, along with sort of the idea of like a pure nature or undefiled one, that's what holiness conveys to us. In, in the book of Leviticus, back in the law, in the Pentateuch, uh, God, uh, through his servant Moses, communicates this to us. This is Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Carrying that idea of set-apartness. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. His idea of set-apartness comes as a result of who God is and what he's done for us and not a result of anything that we've done. That's why those other doors are false. Because law-keeping is contingent on us. Because bloodlines is somehow contingent on us. It's contingent on our parenthood. It's contingent on where we're born. Those things are not... This is, this is not contingent on us. When God says, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. He is saying, I am holy, and therefore I will make you holy. And we see now the outworking of that, and the clear demonstration of that is found in Jesus Christ. And, this, and the, we've talked, so every week we've sort of had an Exodus reference, right? And in this Leviticus passage, we have this Exodus reference. And God is setting apart his people by delivering them up out of Egypt, which is a temporary solution, right? That was a temporary solution. The, this is the idea last week when we talked about a type, right? Something that exists or happens in the Old Testament, a person or an event that points directly to Jesus, that points us to Jesus Christ. And so the, the exodus out of Egypt, what was happening here, God delivered the Israelites momentarily out of Egypt, uh, Egyptian slavery, to set them apart as his people. God now, through the door of Jesus Christ, delivers us all permanently out of slavery to sin and set apartness and entry into the people of God. So let's conclude this morning. We're going to move our, our minds and shift our minds now to, to the Lord's table this morning. Um, the idea that, that's sort of coming um, or driving the statement that Jesus makes when he says, I am the door. Um, by entering through Jesus, we are, we are set apart. It's the only way that we can set apart. We don't trust our heritage. We trust the heritage of the one who said, before Abraham was born, I am. We don't trust our, our law-keeping ability, even if that law is generated by one of us, just like in our own hearts, and our own minds. We don't trust our, our law-keeping ability. We trust the law-keeping ability of the one who said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That's how we are set apart. 
We're trusting in Jesus. We're entering through the door. We're set apart into the people of God by what God has done for us in Jesus. And as those who have been set apart, being set apart by God means that we're part of his church. And that's church like, like the universal, in this local expression of it. When we come together, we're called to remember what God has done for us in Christ. That, that, that's, pri that's, that's primarily why we're going here this morning, is because we are called to remember what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And so practicing this ordinance of the Lord's Supper as we get there is to actively remember, uh, remember what God has done for us. And that when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. That's what Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians. Remember back a couple weeks ago when we talked about Jesus' claim that he is the bread of life, right? Remember back to that. Togetherness, and, and together we eat the bread to remember that he is satisfying. Um, not the idols that we pursue in our world, not the things that claim to be satisfying, but simply are not. And consider the things that offer the guise of satisfaction in your world, but ultimately leave you empty, confused, or in dark. There's like a lot of things that we go to, right? There are a lot of things that we go to that think offer satisfaction, that we think offer securities. It's money, a promotion at work, um, our marriages, sex, all of these things, like we think that we know we think that we understand what it takes to be satisfied. But the question for us is, how is Jesus better? How is Jesus better than those things? He offers eternal joy in him. He offers you peace. He offers you right standing before God in this set-apartness of God who created you and knows you intimately. He offers you uninhibited relationship with that God. He offers you fullness. He offers you understanding. He offers you light. He offers you a purpose. Now, as you recognize that, that, that you were created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. He offers you purpose. So we take the bread with that idea that God is, is all satisfying, that He's soul satisfying. We drink the cup and we remember the very shed blood, a blood that inaugurates a new covenant, a new covenant in which the word of God is written on our hearts, a new covenant in which God is our God and we are his people, a new covenant in which we are, we're not the actors, but we're the acted upon. These false doors make us the actors. They give us room to boast. But as the acted upon, we recognize that God is the sole actor. A new covenant where we know where we will know the Lord. Again, the, this key understanding of even in the Gospel of John that we would know intimately the, the God who saves us. And in, this is a new covenant where our iniquities are forgiven and our sins are no longer remembered. And a new covenant into which we are invited to enter because Jesus ultimately is the door. All of these other things, they can't offer us entry into the people. They can't offer us set-apartness. But Jesus is the door. He's the only true door. So right now, I just invite you to bow your heads and we're going to pray together. Um, and then we're going to participate together in the Lord's Supper.
Lord God, we thank you this morning uh, that we can come to you as those who have been set apart because of what Jesus has done for us. God, we recognize that we are, are uh, not a people who uh, live in fear, God, but who recognize that, that you are soul-satisfied, God, that you recognize that, that you bring understanding to your confusion, God, that we recognize that, um, that in you there is no darkness, God, that you cast out the darkness, God, and you are light. God, we praise you that we can exalt you um, as those who have been set apart, that, that as those who are being made holy, as those who are being made into the image of Christ and to his likeness. God, we together as a community seek to encourage one another to enter only through the door that is Jesus Christ. Not a door in which we are the actor, not a door of law-keeping, not a door of heritage, God, but a door um, that only comes through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen.